Welcome into One Winning Pod. All right, here it is. The game we've all been waiting for. Not exactly. Ravens, Giants, uh, rematch with Wink. Uh, the Giants, who saw this coming when the season started? The Giants are 4-1, and one, while the Ravens are, quote-unquote, only 3-2. and two. However, the Ravens are favored in this game. I believe 5.5 was the last I saw uh, most recently. That line could have changed uh, as we're doing this recording, and we'll find out for certain after this as we do our bets. But, uh, yeah, this is going to be an interesting game. Um, Ravens just had an emotional divisional win over Cincinnati, a, a much coveted win. So there is a chance for a drop-off there. Uh, the Giants are riding high after defeating the Green Bay Aaron Rodgers. And, yeah, we're going to talk about this game Quick thoughts on this game, guys. What what are we looking at here? I feel like this is the unexpected trap game of the year. Like maybe going into it, we didn't think this was a trap game, but now I would say this might be a trap game. Like you said, the NFC East is actually playing quite well, except for that Laurel team, and they uh, seem to have it more together than people gave them credit for going into the season. So we get the chance to play the Giants and see what we can do. Oh, that's so interesting because I feel like I have the opposite take after watching a couple of the games. I, I totally think that, I don't know, I, I think the Giants have, have had a cakewalk schedule. I mean, I, I agree that the Packers game, I think, was probably their biggest win. But I mean, it's a London game. And to be honest, like after <laughs> the Ravens have just, you know, completely crapped the bed playing in London before, I feel like I kind of chalk that up more to the location than anything. Like, And also the Packers have just kind of not been themselves anyway. But uh yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, I feel pretty good about our matchup. Obviously, there are some things that, you know, if the Ravens aren't prepared well for, I think that they could do some damage. But um, overall, yeah, Daniel Jones doesn't really scare me. Yeah, you look at the teams they've played so far this year. They started out the season beating Tennessee by one point. I'm pretty sure that they had a, a, a fourth down conversion that they went for there, or maybe it was a two point. I don't know. I remember there was some call they made in that game that, gave them the win there that was unconventional at least if you're if you're not john harbaugh maybe but (laughs) uh then a three-point victory over carolina we've talked ad nauseum over how carolina is a disappointment this year Uh, they did lose to dallas at home on monday night football dallas as we talked about is very strong team to start the year beat chicago by eight and then came from behind to defeat green bay in london a green bay team that is very much nowhere near as formidable as in years past. So yeah, I mean, you know, they you just got to play who you can play, but yeah, you look at those those games and those four wins, even Green Bay, I would say like it's not terribly impressive, but it's still impressive given what we've seen from this Giants team the past few seasons. So, I feel like I'm kind of in the middle of you two, but I guess we'll just start out with the first thing we have to talk about with these Giants, because we hinted at it a little bit when we we're doing the analysis of the Bengals game, Ravens rushing defense. That's been an issue this year. The Giants really no playmakers on offense outside of Saquon Barkley. He is back. Uh, he looks great. And it's going to be the key to this game, the number one key at least, is the Ravens are going to need to stop Saquon Barkley when the Giants have the football because he is the one guy that could take over this game for the Giants and 
and keep them really competitive in this matchup. Yeah, he looks so good. I mean, he's got he's running with power. He's able to run in between the tackles, outside the tackles. He's also a weapon in the screen game and the passing game. Um, and there, there was that ridiculous play, I think, where he took uh, a dump off screen. I think it was against the Cowboys, if I recall, and uh, basically avoided a tackle, which would have been a like five yard loss or something, and then was able to skirt around the left side and then pick up like 20, 25 yards or something. It was insane play, really athletic play. Like you said, Peter, I think out of all the guys on this offense, I think he's one that scares me the most. But that being said, the Giants have other options, I think, that they can use to be able to move the chains. I think, you know, I think Alec kind of called it out in the notes in that they they really run a very methodical offense. They're not going to hit you with big plays uh, to be able to, like, you know, make a 50-yard pass or something. They're going to run the ball a lot. They're going to hit it up with short passes to tight ends, to receivers, just little like, you know, six to 10 yard kind of passes to be able to move the chains and like keep things going and eventually grind you down. So, you know, one thing I kind of noticed from watching some of the film earlier is that Chicago was like one team that they overcommitted so hard to Barkley that they just let everything else get behind them. And honestly, like it it just, it was horrible to watch. (laughs) Like, guys are just missing assignments and just letting guys get open it's just is frustrating to see like how much they just didn't respect daniel jones in the passing offense so you know i wanted to throw that out there of like you know saquon definitely number one weapon on this team we got to have a plan for him but also don't forget about everybody else because that is like you know what's going to break uh the the ravens this you know sunday if if they're not able to stop drives from happening Yep. The way I put it was this offense wants to live to die another day. They're definitely living by the constraints that they have with a Daniel Jones led offense. But I think in a way they're playing it smart. They're giving him nice schemed plays, just keeping it simple, letting playmakers get the ball in their hands and do things. I think they much rather get a series of short yardage gains that keep the sticks moving, then get one big play on you. I don't think they ask much. Like I said, like the offense is just pretty bland. And that could be something the defense can exploit for sure. But the way that they seem to want to win is by being more methodical and play with a higher execution than the other side. Let you make the mistakes first. Yeah, definitely. I I, I do agree with that. And I, I think you got to give a lot of credit to this new coaching staff that's there. Uh, Brian dabble i believe that's how you say his name i could be wrong um you know with the mentality that he's coming here with it kind of reminds me of when john harbaugh came into baltimore in 2008 you know he's come in here and he's basically given everyone a clean slate like if it doesn't matter if you're highest paid player on the team looking at you kenny galladay you got to earn your spot and if you don't practice hard you're not going to go out there and i think that's something that's really, you know, without being in the locker room, <laughs> obviously, I, you, you got to look at that. And that has to be playing into the mentality of this team. Some of the guys that they have out there that Daniel Jones is throwing to, uh, Richie James, uh, David Stills, uh, Daniel Bellinger, they're, you know, when compared to their NFL peers, they're not super skilled. They're not ultra athletic, but you've got a coaching staff here that's saying like, you know, we're new here. Show us what you got. And it seems to be just whoever takes 
the reins, they're going to give them a chance. And, you know, I, I think if that's something that if we're looking at how the Giants uh, could steal this game from the Ravens, I still think it would be steal because as good as their record is through the first five games, um, on paper, the, Raven, the Ravens have more talent. That's it. But coaching can make a huge difference, especially when you're talking about we're splitting hairs here as far as comparing the different levels of, of players you have in this league of, you know, the best football players in the world. And that's going to be something the Ravens have to make sure they don't underestimate. Uh, we saw what happened against Miami when Miami made uh, more second half adjustments and came out with more fight in the second half of that game than the Ravens were ex- seemed to expect. Um, so yeah, the, the, the coaching angle here, I think is what is helping this offense be methodical and, and stay in these games, despite the fact that their talent on paper it is underwhelming, honestly. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Um, you know, you know, another kind of area where I think, you know, the, the, the talent maybe kind of isn't, um, uh, you know, at par at least yet. Um, although it's, it's not a failure, I think of like the, uh, drafting, but offensive line, I think there's some guys that are, are pretty good. Um, Andrew Thomas, left tackle, I think is, um, probably one of their best offensive linemen that they have in the group. Um, John Feliciano, I think he used to play for the bills a couple of years ago. He's their center. Um, he's pretty good. Um, outside of that, I mean, you have Ben Bredesen, uh, former Raven. He's playing okay. Um, My guy. <laughs> and uh, you know, one guy I kind of wanted to talk about who you know I think would be really interesting for some of the players on the Ravens is Evan Neal. Um, I think he was a, he was a top yeah, 10 top, draft pick. Yep, top, top 10. Pick. I don't remember exactly which slot, but yeah, he was a high draft pick uh, tackle out of Alabama, if I recall. And uh, boy, his tape looks pretty rough. Um playing on the right side he just you know he was he was having a lot of issues um particularly against the Packers game the Cowboys game I mean he let up I think three sacks to uh to Lawrence I believe I mean if I'm the Ravens I'm looking at that like Odafe Owe like put him over there like please let him feast get some sacks like that's a big opportunity there I think that uh the Ravens could exploit yeah I agree with you what you're saying the offensive line is is definitely as a group, it seems to be on the rise from what they've had uh, recently. Andrew Thomas, it's it's really cool to see him develop into where he is right now. I, I remember when we were doing our, our breakdowns of the 2020 draft class, interior alignment was a position that we looked uh, quite extensively at um, when we were preparing for those podcasts, um, obviously due to the retirement of Marshall Yonda and we knew that the Ravens were going to try and and fix that hole in some way through the draft and for those episodes I remember you know we all split up the position groups and interior lineman was one of the ones that I had and when Thomas was coming out I, I believe he either was a guard at Georgia or he, he was between a guard and a tackle because I, I know that he was being projected to play tackle at the NFL level. The scouts were saying that. And I, I remember looking at that and I was like, this is the guy from the draft. There's no way that, that he falls to the Ravens, but like this, this guy looks legit. And I know he struggled a little bit his rookie year. Um, but it, it's, it, it's cool just, just to see him come into his own from that perspective, just as like, Hey, that was a guy that we were looking at and we knew the Ravens wouldn't get him, but we saw the tape and we're like, that guy, 
yeah, he looks promising. He and you know we were by far not the only ones who saw that. So yeah, he's definitely become an anchor for the Giants' offensive line. But yeah, the rest of it does seem like you know that the rest of the unit they'll they'll make good plays, and then there's other times they they struggle. I saw the same thing you saw with Neil with Chris with what I was able to watch, and uh, I, I paid a little bit of close attention to Bredesen as well. Watched some film from both the Cowboys game and the Packers. Seemed to play better against the Packers from my perspective. Um, with him being a little undersized, he's going to have the same issues that uh, Linderbaum has from time to time, just you know, with the nature of what his physique is compared to the defensive lineman he's trying to, to guard. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a unit that is something that the Ravens defensive line should be able to have a good day against. But at the same time, um, you, you could see them have a plan in place because there's certainly a lot of raw young talent here and they're on the path to putting something, a, a solid unit together. Yeah, I think by far their you know run blocking I think is is definitely their strength. Um, you know as you know we step with Saquon, it's just you know he's been playing great. Pass protection, yeah, I think it, you know it can be up and down. And I think the coaching staff has kind of adapted that. Like you know one of you know one of the the kind of key strengths of the Giants' offense, they do a lot of play action, a lot of bootlegs. Um, get Daniel Jones in space. Um, is you know everyone likes to say he's kind of got shifty athleticism and speed. Um, I think it was last year he had like the longest run for a quarterback in the league, and which was surprising. But yeah, it's 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 one of their staples of their offense. They do it a lot, um, and again, like somehow defenses still don't expect it. They overcommit to Saquon and you know just let Daniel Jones run free or you know run out and make a pass while the defense is you know flowing the other way. So you know it's something you know I they're they're dealing with and the, you know they've been successful and again like that's the formula like if you have a defense that doesn't respect all of the options that's how you have uh drives that take up a lot of clock on the you know on, on the on the clock uh, eventually win the game it's it you know it's kind of surprising like how basic of an offense it is in some ways uh but it really is successful that has been the last couple of weeks so um yeah i mean i definitely expect them to to kind of do a lot of that stuff and you know i think for mike mcdonald and the ravens like you got to be able to cover all that stuff you know don't underestimate them um you know i know that they're four and one but you know from just from some of the film like it it definitely seems more basic but you know don't be the bears <laughs> don't don't be the packers like don't don't sleep on that stuff because they can do some damage and just and hurt you and, and take up that time of possession after the cincinnati game we were able to see the ravens a bit the Ravens' ability to rally to the ball and cut down on um, you know yards after the catch, and I think that's going to be the formula against this offense as well. As far as the pass rush goes, I'm curious if uh, the trend will continue with people who play the Ravens getting the ball out at a remarkably fast rate, and if so, it might be another difficult day for that unit just because they they can't possibly get home that fast. So. I'll keep an eye out on that. It might just be a thing that people are doing against the Ravens defense. Of course, maybe they'll feel a little bit more comfortable letting longer routes develop because they might see a, um, a vulnerability with our safeties with Geno stone back there or Hamilton, whoever it is um, because it's not Marcus Williams, but I kind of doubt it. I kind of think that people are going to stick to the same game plan against us despite that major loss to the defense. For sure. Yeah. And I, if they they do try and, and challenge that, um, 
a wild card in this matchup is Darius Slayton, um, a guy who fantasy football players know had a, a, a promising back end of the 2019 and 2020 season, and then it's kind of been uh, struggling to reclaim that <laughs> since then. Um, he had one of his best games. I mean, really, his be- best game statistically since 2020 uh, against Green Bay. Uh, six catches on seven targets for 79 yards, including a 26-yarder, which is his longest reception of the game. With Sterling Shepard out and Kenny Galladay in some j- j- just um, following the Allen Robinson career trajectory here, uh, <laughs> you know, Slayton has an opportunity to take over and be the wide receiver one for this team. And he was able to do it against Green Bay. Um, we'll see if that was an outlier or if maybe they've found this new coaching staff has found a way to get him back on track. So definitely watch out for him. And I know Richie James has dropped off a bit since um, being a bit of a surprise the first two weeks, but he's another guy who has speed. They could use him as a threat to stretch the field. So there's definitely guys that they can use. They're just not to the caliber of playmakers that the Ravens have had to face against, you know, the Dolphins and the Bills and the and the Bengals. So it's it's a different type of offense that they're going to be going up against. If you look at the recent draft history, I know that the regime's changed, but they did actually spend a decent amount of capital on wide receivers between uh, Kadarius Tony last year and Wandell Robinson this year. I know there's been a lot of injuries with those guys, a lot of week to week. You know, is it is it time for them to step up? Uh, are they going to be able to play? And at the time of recording, I think we're still unsure of those two guys and their ability to come out. So I'm just I'm kind of curious to see what their passing attack looks like once those guys are in, because it's definitely high talent levels. It might change the way they approach things. Yeah, and you know, I, I, I the th- thing with this wide receiver corp, it goes back to what I was saying um, earlier about this coaching staff asking these guys to prove it. It feels like every week this year, and some of it was is because of injuries, and some of it also, at least from what's being reported in the Giants media, is just coming down to it, it seems like particularly with the wide receiver group, this coaching staff is making decisions on who's atop the depth chart based on how practice is going. You know, guys like Kadarius Tony, like you're saying, has been buried on the depth chart a little bit, uh, partly due to injury. And, you know, if, if we're to believe it, some of the practice as well. So I don't, it's hard to say, does this coaching staff feel sold on Tony? You know, they certainly seem to like Shepard. They wanted to feature Shepard. We saw that in the Dallas game, and but then unfortunately for for them, he's out for the year. So, but again, like we like we said, Darius Slayton came out of nowhere last week against Green Bay. hadn't done anything all season. Has a big game. For all we know, Tony could come out and and just light it up uh, like he did against the Cowboys last year around this time. Who knows? Maybe Kenny Galladay resurrects from wherever he is and scores four touchdowns. No. No. <laughs> I highly, highly doubt that that's going to happen. But, you know, with, with this wide receiver corp that they're throwing out there, uh, expect the unexpected. Yeah, for sure. The Ravens front seven is going to have to uh, step up uh, in a lot of ways. Um, you know, one of the things I noticed with the Cowboys game was that uh, the Cowboys inside linebacker play, I think, was uh, pretty good. Uh, they did a fairly decent job of 
of stopping uh, Saquon in certain situations, uh, except for that, you know, one of the plays that I mentioned earlier. But uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I know, uh, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about our inside linebacker play and just, you know, being able to stop the run. It's it's going to be a challenge for sure. Um, you know, like you said, Peter, it's something that they haven't really seen too much of. Obviously facing like my, teams like Miami and, and Buffalo, you know, those are not running teams that are very much built on the pass. I feel like I said this a few weeks ago uh, with the Patriots, where I could definitely see a scenario in which they don't win this game. Uh, but that said, like I, I think there's a lot to realize that you know we, we we don't we don't have to be afraid of of the Giants' offense. Like as long as we execute very well, I think our offense matches up very well with their defense. Well, let's talk about that defense. So um, as we already discussed at the outset of this episode, and I'm sure as many who are listening to this remember. The Giants have a new defensive coordinator. It's our old friend, Wink. Um, he's come in there and helped this unit to get off to, I mean, what we can describe as a solid start. You know, they're not by any means overpowering opposing offenses, but they're getting the job done, a little bit of up and down, and at least keeping the game close. I think the same thing that we're saying about the offense is kind of the same thing we're saying we can say about the defense. You know, they're getting their, to their assignments correctly. They're doing what they need to do to be a team that can win games, but not doing it in a flashy manner, not doing it in a manner that, you know, is, is really standing out a, a huge amount on the, when you look at, take a step back and look at the whole landscape of the NFL. But again, it's led to a four and one record. It's led to them staying in games. And the, the defense was the reason that they were able to, uh, hold on against the Packers in London. They shut out the Packers offense in the second half and had that uh, stand in the red zone to end the game where they had back-to-back batted passes on the final uh, two plays of regulation to clinch that win against the Packers. So it's a, it's an intriguing group from that perspective. Uh, certainly, again, you look at the at the roster of players here and there's not many names that really pop out as star players but overall a solid group and wink's got him in a in a good spot i think it's wink man you watch it it definitely <laughs> looks like wink they did the cover zero a couple times sometimes it worked sometimes it didn't i'm very curious to see if he even attempts to blitz lamar knowing his success rate against the blitz this year but i don't know if they'll necessarily have to i think they have some pieces on their uh line that are are pretty good. Like they got mm. maybe the top guy in the draft, according to Jason's board and, and many others of uh, Thibodeau. Uh, but they did also lose two big pieces in Ojolari and Leonard Williams. So kind of a little bit of a back and forth <clears throat> there. Uh, they also have this, the familiar faces, uh, Jihad Ward and Justin Ellis are up there. It's like wink light. Uh, I'm curious. <laughs> we'll see any Tony Jefferson. Like, yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it's interesting to see, what the approach is because wink knows our offense the best of any coordinator you know yeah for sure um you know alec actually i couldn't remember but i know ojulari and leonard williams didn't play last week but i don't know if we had uh confirmation if they're playing this week i know it's a little early in the week so we haven't seen the injury report but i didn't see anything to say that theirs were long-term injuries so they like there might be a chance that they might be back but yeah i mean you know i totally agree with you like it's it's a lot familiar but i do you know i think the big difference at least that what i've seen um is that wink's got some linebacker outside linebackers who can really rush 
Ojolari and Thibodeau, uh, both of those guys are are really freaking good. I, I think maybe to Peter's point, like they're they're still ascending, right? They're not like the Micah Parsons of the league yet. Um, but I mean, what I saw in some of the games that I was watching, like they could do some damage on their own. Dexter Lawrence as well from the interior, I think can do a lot of damage. Leonard Williams is there too. Like I think those are all legitimate uh, guys who can get after the quarterback uh, and make some plays so that Wink doesn't have to send the house all the time. He can actually like rush four or five and things will actually, you know, get home, you know, but yeah, we'll see. I, I know the Giants have kind of suffered a lot from injuries both on the offense and defense, um, you know, so we'll have to wait later in the week to kind of see who's available. But uh, all I can say is if, if Thibodeau's playing, I think he is definitely an X factor uh, for this game. The Ravens got to figure out how to contain him because I think he's got the moves to be able to get to Lamar and he's got the speed to be able to chase him down. Thibodeau is still waiting for his first career sack, although he has defended three passes so far in his NFL career. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree with what you're saying, Chris. Um, the, the stats don't show the whole story there, and he's certainly, when you watch him on the film, um, he's working. He's making the offensive line work. Um, they're wings lining him up in different spots uh, along the line, and he, he looks like a guy who it's going to click eventually. Um, it's not fully there yet, which is understandable, as it's only five games into his NFL career, and sometimes you know it feels like in this Twitter age, it's like if if a player's not all pro after one game, we're writing them off. But <laughs> um, yeah, there, there's definitely some guys here um, that can give the Ravens a fit from pass rush, uh, and yeah, great uh, call that bringing up Dexter Lawrence. If you got an interior lineman, you're going against an interior lineman who already has three sacks on the season through five games. You got to make sure that your interior guys are, are keeping that guy at bay because that's that's always something that can uh, disrupt a passing attack. Uh, now, of course, Lamar would have the speed to outrun him, but yeah, Dexter Lawrence and and Thibodeau, those are two guys that the offensive line is definitely going to have to keep an eye on when Lamar's back to pass. You know, it's funny. It's funny, Peter. You mentioned just like uh, you know, pl- players who may take a little bit wild to, to kind of like show up on the stat sheet and everything. Um, and then I feel like you're not, the fan gets upset. The fan base gets upset. Um, totally unrelated. Cause we're not really even played this, uh, playing this opponent this year, but it was just something that I noticed when I was watching the, uh, the Cowboys giants game, Micah Parsons, man, like he was a no show for me, like watching that, the, the replay of that. Um, and he was a guy the last year, like blew up the league as a rookie. Um, but I, you know, I was watching that whole game and I'm like, Dexter Lawrence, sure. Um, saw him doing a lot of damage or I'm sorry, Demarcus Lawrence. Um, but, uh, but Micah Parsons, I was like, I couldn't, I didn't really see him stand out at all. So, um, you know, obviously it kind of goes to your point of just, you know, people having short memories and (laughs) not having the context of, you know, a player's career and kind of watching the tape and stuff. But, uh, but yeah, it was kind of funny. I think another thing that I saw, um, you know, it was I think it was pretty obvious in the in the Packers game, uh, at least for me. I think a secondary for the Giants does a really good job of uh, tackling. You know, they don't let guys get too far, um, you know, out of their reach. And then when you know the receivers did make a, a, any catches, they were right there on them, and it was like solid tackling. There wasn't any like shoestring tackles or anything. It was like, you know, we're going to give you what you give you, and you're not going to get too much yak. So I mean, that's it's definitely interesting. And I feel like, you know, in the secondary, you know, one of the names I think that jumped out to me, Adderay Jackson, he used to play for Tennessee. 
you know, he's an interesting piece there. I know that they've got some safeties as well who, you know, can definitely play. I'm interested to see, you know, how they match up with the Ravens, though. It just, uh, you know, good point from Jackson. Like, you know, when he played in Tennessee, I feel like Lamar kind of picked on him a little bit. So, you know, there's a little bit of familiarity there. And, and maybe, you know, you know, Jackson might have some, you know, tricks up his sleeve to kind of be able to uh, deal with this. But I'm I'm just interested, you know, especially, you know, if Bateman's not going to be able to play. Who are our guys going to be? Um, you know, are they going to be able to get some separation and uh, and make some plays down the field? You know, uh, we had some trouble with that against the Bengals. You know, I'm, I'm kind of curious if we're going to see about the same as what we saw or, uh, you know, are we going to get some other things figured out? Mark Andrews also, just how does he match up with the secondary? Who are they going to put on him? Uh, all interesting questions. Yeah, I'm curious if it'll be Xavier McKinney. He was one of the safeties we liked in the draft process. Um, I'm curious to see how they how they line it up. I guess when it comes to the secondary, it's funny, man, with Wink being there. he's Like we said at the top, he's doing the zero blitzes. He's trusting the fact that they're going to handle the back end. Is that trust earned at this point you know guys like a dory jackson maybe maybe he's making him feel confident in it maybe he feels confident because we talked about some of those edge rushers with thibodeau and just the ability to get after the quarterback he feels you know when you bring numbers and you have the talent it's going to work out i'm just like i said i don't think that's the i don't think that's the formula against the ravens so i think it could really bite him just because of the talent we have so i'm curious if he'll adjust or we'll see what see what happens there because when you do zero right you man up against the wide receivers, right? Or the, the route runners. And if you man up and you turn your back to Lamar Jackson, he might be able to sneak out <laughs> and then it could be a big gain. So it's, that, that's a, that's risky business. Um, yeah. I mean, I know zero got us before, but it didn't get us this year so far. Yeah. The, the Ravens had a lot of answers for the dolphins in week two when then they did zero blitz. Um, and you know, to your point, um, I I didn't get a chance to look into the film of how the Cowboys were able to have their uh, second half comeback win over the, over the Giants as as much as I would have liked to. But in just looking at some of it, you know the 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 scheme that blitzes they were doing, particularly they they had some trouble with uh, um, some nickel uh, nickel blitzes with the nickel cornerback. We know how the Ravens had some issues with that last year. In the drive where CeeDee Lamb got his touchdown, I believe, uh, th- there were several instances where Lamb was able to break free uh, in the slot just due to, you know, the the guys who are supposed to pick him up just not able to transition in time. And, you know, we saw last year what can happen with a wink defense if you're running guys out there who aren't ready for that scheme or just aren't uh the ideal players to have in that situation. So what does that look like for the Ravens? How can they uh, take advantage of the, you know, the parts of Wink's scheme that always made us, you know, pull our hair, hairs out of our head at times. And, you know, I, it's going to be, I, I think we could see another big game out of, out of Duvernay. I, I think that this is a, another spot where he could have some success. Um, Mark Andrews, I, I, I don't see it the linebackers on this team particularly adept to be able to cover him. So I think, again, you're looking at another week where both those guys should get a lot of targets and have opportunities for Yak. And I think that uh, if the Giants do that zero blitz, 
Lamar's going to lock into Andrews or lock into Duvernay, and I think they should be able to get some chunk plays there. I know for me, I'm definitely looking forward to see how the run game progresses. Um, you know, I know the Ravens have kind of uh, had a few uh, running back draw plays, um, a little bit more than usual, um, and that's a kind of a good technique to be able to take advantage of blitzing defenses. So um, I think that that'll be really good. You know, there were a few plays like that. I want to say from the I want to say from the Cowboys game where um, you know they were doing maybe not the same sort of uh, running back draw plays, um, but they were doing kind of these like quick dump offs, uh, screens or something, and being able to take advantage of that and be able to get blockers out in front. Um, a few halfback tosses as well over like around the le- like left side, I think. Um, so those are pretty successful. Thinking, you know, that might be an element here as well. You know, if if that's you know if that's what Wink wants to do, I'm sure the guys, you know, coaching staff right now is going in there and be like trying to you know do some reverse psychology of like, oh, what does Wink think we're going to do? What do we think he's going to do? You know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I you know, I think there are answers. I, I I am a little bit worried, at least on the passing side depending on Bateman's status. Um, you know, if we're talking about the Miami game, I mean, I think he was a big reason of, you know, he was a guy who could beat that man coverage and actually take advantage of it. You know, I think Duvernay can do a little bit of that. Um, I do think that, you know, Roman's done a good job of kind of scheming guys open uh, a little bit. So, I, you know, on one-on-one situations where a guy just needs to get open, I'm a little bit more worried about that because we just don't have a lot of guys who could do that, uh, other than Andrews, really. But, uh, you know, but that being said, you know, I think there are other ways to kind of take advantage of this. I think the run game is, is probably the big one. And from what we saw with, you know, adding Stanley back, I think, you know, he could have some success. I think Dobbins continues to get stronger. Um, he wants to be fed. So this would be a great game for, you know, just a, an, an awesome game for, for Dobbins if he could just take over this game. I think that would uh, help slow down a lot of the the rushing that Wink might want on to do. I think you bring up a great point there. I, th- I would love to see the Ravens go back to uh, th- those really late draw plays that they were doing against the Bills. I think you bring, that's an excellent point, and I think that would work great against uh, Wink's scheme. So hopefully that's something we can see. And uh, let's see a little bit more of uh, of Duvernay as, as Debo Light. Um, we <laughs> were screaming for that all last year. Finally got a couple plays of that against the Bengals. It worked well. Uh, let's see them expand on that. You know, Hopefully that's not just a one-week thing. Uh, cause yeah, just, just get the ball into Duvernay's hands. He is, he's ready to play this year and that's only something that can, that can keep the defense more off balance. So yeah, the running game is also going to be huge. The, the Ravens offensive line is getting healthier. Uh, I think you can still have a good, uh, rushing attack against these giants. So, all right. So I guess with all of that being said, let's start off with our bold predictions. Yeah, I think I'll go first. Um, I I just love what we're seeing week to week from Duvernay. Uh, just every week he's building it from the previous week. Like I said, we, we saw him run the ball a little bit this past week. Uh, he had an opportunity for a big touchdown pass. Unfortunately, Lamar uh, overthrew him. I'm going to predict over 100 yards, uh, scrim- all-purpose scrimmage yards for Duvernay, not including special teams returns. <laughs> just on the I was going to say, that would be too <laughs> That easy. would no longer be a bold prediction if I included that. Um, which would be a career high for him. So uh, I'm going to say Duvernay is able to do that on Sunday. I think I'll go up next. Um, I I don't know. Like I said at the top, I'm not super scared of this Giants offense. I think the Ravens 
defense could provide some wrinkles here. I'm gonna I'm gonna say they keep up their turnover streak. I'm gonna say that they get at least two turnovers off Daniel Jones. That's awesome. I think my bull prediction is gonna be that Owe is going to be inspired by what we talked about this game. I was, I was talking about so highly of Thibodeau, and he's going to go and get two sacks on Danny Dimes. Nice. As far as uh, score prediction goes, man, Ravens are favored by five. The over-under is 45 points. So they're, they're 25, and Giants are 20. 20 feels rich for the Giants, given the way that their offense plays and the way I think our defense can match up. 25 for the Ravens. That sounds about right. I just don't have confidence in this offense being able to just produce drive in and drive out. They just, they haven't quite hit that stride yet. I think it's going to be an under game. I think 24, 13 feels reasonable. Something like that. I think it's going to be boring. Like I, I, this is not the game to watch if you're not a Ravens fan is my guess. Like maybe Lamar will make some good plays, but that's a highlight reel, you know, like the actual game itself. I, I don't expect that much fun. Yeah, you called uh, you called the first game of the season at the Jets. <laughs> same score. <laughs> I like my numbers, man. Same score, <laughs> same field, same. I did 31 points in three games in a row as yeah. the, the Ravens score. Oh, man, it is the same field, isn't it? Ugh. It is the yeah, same we, field. Yeah, yeah. we, we, did, I, we didn't really, really want to talk about, the about field, that. The field Just aspect. get, yeah, get up and get out of there, man. <laughs> totally. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, I don't like this game, man. I want to. I want to give up an L to it because it feels like an easy dub and we need it. But like, ugh, playing on that field sucks. It should be illegal. <laughs> oh man, it is interesting. I I don't know enough. Do, do is there like a certain? There has to be a standard that these fields have to be up to to some degree, whether it's grass or turf. I don't know enough about field upkeep in the NFL to know if that's a thing or not, but. It feels like they either need to implement that if it's not there or up the the standards for that based on what we've seen from some from that field in particular. But anyways, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'll just go right after you because I have a similar feel for this game. Excited to watch it because it's a Ravens game, but it's <laughs> it's it's shaping up to be an ugly one. I'm going to go with a similar score prediction. I think at 27 to 10 uh, Ravens. I think this Giants team is on the ascendancy, but... If the, if the Ravens are able to score in the second half this game, they should be able to pull away. That's an if, as we've seen from the past two weeks. But but I'll give the Ravens the win here. Man, you had to say that. Now you're bringing my really bold score <laughs> prediction back to earth, Peter. Because uh, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, they scored in the second half against the Bengals, but what? Nine points? <laughs> three field goals? Two, I don't remember. Two field goals? Three field goals? Oh gosh, um, I don't know, man. Like, the Giants are playing good football. I think they're pretenders, though. I just uh, their schedule is just a cakewalk. I mean, I just I do not see this being a competitive game. I think the Ravens have just got too much talent to let this thing be close. I guess we'll, we'll you know we'll do the picks episode uh, shortly. It'll come out later this week. We'll figure out what the line is, but. I, I'm feeling a blowout, man. I just, I really, I don't know. I really don't believe in the Giants right now. Uh, I'm going to go 31-10 Ravens, which is pretty crazy considering that, you know, I picked the Bengals to win last week. So, Well, all of us think the Ravens will cover. It's a beautiful thing. Place your bets. Go get some easy money. Let's go. <laughs> 
Speaking of bets, you can find our bets on the YouTube channel. We'll be recording that shortly after this. And uh, as far as the YouTube channel, a lot of cool things might be coming this week. I don't want to tease it too soon, but I think in a couple days I'll be doing an interview, which I'm very excited about. And uh, yeah, we'll, it'll probably just show up. And we'll talk about it after the fact, if it happens. So <laughs> Definitely subscribe if you haven't already. Peter, what's coming up in the History Corner? Uh, it's going to be good. I'll say that much. I'm playing around with two topics, one of which is the one I'd rather do, but will require a little more research. I'm not sure if I'm going to have time to do this week, um, so I don't want to over put up uh, you know, false expectations there, but uh, it'll be up. It'll be interesting. And uh, <laughs> yeah, appreciate uh, those of you who've been giving it a view these first couple weeks we've been doing it. Uh, it's content i've found interesting it's i only put out stuff that i would be interested in uh listening or reading myself so yeah if you like obscure uh raven's history that relates to a coming matchup uh, look out for that friday mornings on our youtube channel it's definitely the most popular thing on the youtube channel so far so uh seems like everyone does like it you can find us on twitter at one winning pod you can email us onewinningpod at gmail.com Go Ravens, beat them Giants and we'll talk to you next week